Go Loud presents Murder Most Irish. Find it first on the Go Loud app and on all major podcast platforms. Which is a fucking great podcast. If you need, if you want a podcast to listen to, listen to Maintenance Face. Why? What's it about? It's basically it's, sell it to me. It's a gentleman and a lady. Yeah. Um, no such thing as a gentleman in this no, life. There's not. There's a bastard and a lady. <laughs> uh, he's a journalist. He's actually lovely. He's a journalist, and she is a girl. I don't know if you know. She's called your fat friend on Twitter. I can't remember her name right now, and I feel terrible about this. And I'm going to give you their names because the podcast is fantastic. Life being so shit. <laughs> Um, by the way, I hurt my back. Um, every time I sneeze, I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah, she goes, ow! 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 I walk around the house going, ow, ow, ow. Uh, maintenance phase. Let me just get the name of the two people. Colin put in the two minutes later from SpongeBob. Here. A few moments later. Aubrey Gordon is the lady. Show me her. And Michael Hobbs is the gentleman. Show me Aubrey Gordon. I'll show you Aubrey Gordon. And basically what the podcast is about, it's about a few things. Um, but it's about kind of fad diets, from the last like 50 to 60 years and kind of scam artists who use dieting as a way to get people to do like things. Dr. Oz. It's very interesting. They did an episode, did they, yeah, they did an episode on Dr. Oz and they've, their current episode is about Jordan Peterson and it's crazy. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. He is fucking insane. Insane. And he is a psychologist. Yeah. A qualifier, a qualified psychologist and they're the because it's obviously about fad diets or whatever. What they're doing is this diet that he went on, which were all he ate every day of his life was meat. He didn't eat vegetables. Is this he what's affected his carbo- brain? Hi- carbohydrates. He didn't eat anything. No, the drugs did that. He um drugs. Yeah, he was. I don't know. He was like a massive drug addict. Excuse me. Yeah, there's so much. Tell me all the information like, about Jordan Peterson. So basically, they're 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 doing a two parter. So the first episode is just about this diet that he tried. to get people to go on and of course whose show was he on uh, trying to flog it our best friend Joe, Joe Rogan um, but basically he ate nothing but meat that was it meat and he drank uh, water and uh, caffeine no caffeine nothing just meat so he'd wake up in the morning he'd eat meat he'd go to lunch he'd eat meat for dinner he'd eat meat like no veg no ca- nothing nothing and he said it. he had um, what's that really bad breath what's that called Halitosis. Halit- He'd had halitosis from the age of 19 and the halitosis disappeared. But do we all know that halitosis um, is completely made up? And then he had uh, problems with his back and his legs and that all disappeared. Lies. So he basically said that this all meat diet like saved his life. How? And then... Did they look at his so bell? at the end of this episode, he they, they were telling, they were like, we're going to do a two-parter and she was like, and he's like, and we're going to talk about how this diet uh, left him in hospital in the ICU. I was like, oh, I can't wait for the second episode. <sighs> Not that I want anyone to be in the ICU. Listen, wait, let me tell you, I, no, hang on. If there was ever anybody I wanted to be in the ICU, it's Jordan, Jordan fucking Peterson. Peterson. And if there was ever anybody I wanted not on this planet anymore, it's Jordan fucking Peterson. And it's so weird because men think he's like, God. Young men. Yeah. Turning. Like, work. 27 crazy. years old. They're like, this thinks guy. Jordan Peterson like, has all the answers a- to the world. You know that fucking physio-eyed stand-up comedian that's friends with um, the guy from... It's fucking blonde haired guy. Who? It, like, I can't think of his name, I'll get it. Uh, just because I was making sure Jordan Peterson was, he was addicted to benzos. Benzos? Yeah. 
So his addiction benzos. Uh, he described a spiral introduction, intra- drug addiction and suicidal thoughts and then undergoing a controversial Russian treatment that placed him into an induced coma for eight days. He's a crazy person. Jordan Peterson is not a good person to listen to just because everything he does is to benefit him and his beliefs. He doesn't see anything outside what he believes. He doesn't believe in a collective belief system. He doesn't believe that there is... He doesn't think that there is a moral grey area. He just no. thinks very black and white. He's not a good person. Uh, regardless of his degree that he has, plenty of cunts have degrees. Doesn't mean anything. Um, please don't listen to this man. And please don't listen to this man, especially when it comes to women, because if you ever want to respect... Russell woman, Howard... This fizzy-eyed comedian. Russell Howard. What about him? He's a, He loves Jordan Peterson. What? Yeah, had him on his show and was like... like do you know what, what bothers me more about people fizzy-eyed that have fuck. this like... Um, <laughs> anyway, oh he had Jordan Peterson on his newest TV show on I think BBC One or BBC Two. And Jordan Peterson very recently wrote like a new book and uh, he was talking about his wife was quite sick. Jordan, Jordan Peterson's wife I think had cancer right. and like they were told that like she pretty much like was she's gonna die yeah but I don't think she did um, and the whole book was about like how I don't care what the book's about and let's be honest I'm never gonna read it but the interview like he brought the interview forward where he was like people quite often want to have like these controversial conversations with you and just dislike you for the sake of disliking you no people have a reason to dislike and I was him. like that's not true and he was like so like and then like made this like when I say the interview was so incredibly sympathetic at the end of a I like Jordan Peterson. And I was thing, like... That's how they spin it. Jordan Peterson is a snake oil salesman. Yes. And so is Joe Rogan. Please, I am begging you, do not listen to these men because they do not have your best intentions. No, first. and so then... They don't. They're narcissists and they have their own best intentions. And Russell Howard is friends with John Oliver. That's who I was trying to say. Blonde oh. girl, physio, comedian, friends with the guy. I don't think I've ever seen a single thing that man has done with um, yeah, he tries to be like the per man's John Oliver. He also is one of these men that calls himself a feminist. Yes. And then pulls that bullshit. Yeah. So he's like, so... I'm a feminist. And he was like, and I would call myself a feminist. But like, I really think that some of the points of view you have are like, and I think people just use you as like a clickbait exercise. No, they don't. And it's like, no, they don't. And that's how he makes his money from yes. clickbait. That is literally how he makes That's his money. Ma- you think Jordan Peterson gives a fuck that there's clickbait, ar- no. clickbait articles? That's how he's making his fucking money. Anyway, don't listen to Jordan Peterson. Do listen to the maintenance phase. I'm it's very excited. Fantastic. They did an episode on um, the Atkins diet. Some of these diets, Sarah. What's the meat one called? Is it the paleo one? The paleo is We all know the paleo else. one's absolute horseshit. It's horseshit. Like no one knows what those people are. Um, and then they do, they, I've listened to all of them and some of them I'm like, what the fuck? And halitosis is made up in the 1940s to sell mouthwash. <laughs> you don't got halitosis. Like, it's just bad bread. It's just it's bacteria like, at the back of your throat. There is no like cure for, for halitosis. halitosis. So there's one about the uh, halo top ice cream. They do The Biggest Loser. That show is horrific. Dr. Oz. They do The Master Cleanse. Weight Watchers. Uh, they do something called Olestra, which was this fat substitute that was created in America in 1996 by Procter & Gamble. And it was like, they were going to patent this thing that was made... Was it speed? No, it was a, a substance. Like, a, you used it instead of oil. But then it turned out it was making people really sick. So they were like, we have to stop producing this and not making it. Um, but the, basically what the idea of it was that it would help you lose weight as well, but it didn't because it wasn't real. Um, but yeah, uh, they do stuff about QAnon, Salary, Oprah Winfrey. Well, no, I was going to say, do you know what's really, like people don't talk about it, but 
Oprah Winfrey because she's like this patron saint of women. Yeah. And she's a patron saint of like women in the States in particular. White women. Yeah. White women. And she's done so much good for like so many. But then there are so many terrible things that she's done. Oz, Dr. Phil, all directly because of Oprah. Like Weight Watchers and how much she pushes it all directly because of Oprah. That whole thing of like wheeling out like her fucking 12 pounds of fat onto the stage. I mean like this is how much weight I've lost. I mean like yeah, in a wagon. Yeah, but you're like, what? I don't. And understand. then when they, she did the interview later, they asked her what was the one thing she regretted most in her entire career, and she said wheeling out that wagon of fat. Mm. And she said that she at that during that period she wasn't eating anything. She was starving herself. She was drinking like bottles and bottles of water with lemon in it all day just to like curtail her hunger. And she was canceling going on holidays with people because she was afraid she would eat on holidays. So everybody had this idea of Oprah because the whole thing was like she fit into a pair of size 10 Calvin Klein jeans. Yeah. And that's what she wanted. And everyone was like, the gold, the gold, the gold. And then she was sitting at home drinking. Miserable. Also, so I've noticed this thing. I need Americans to answer this question to me. You as a person, what would be your healthy amount of drinking water per day? What have you been told your entire life? Two liters. Two liters of water. Do you know Americans are drinking double that a day and they're told that that's not enough? Who's telling They're drinking this? four liters, five liters of it's water very bad a day. For you. It's incredibly bad for you. There's this thing on TikTok going around. This girl put up a video being like, "Hey, to Europeans, are you guys not really dehydrated?" And people were like, "What are you talking about?" And then people were like, "America, some Americans are, are being told that they need to drink like four liters." It's of very water. bad for you. You can die. You can die. You are literally flushing out your it's body. Funny, it's yeah. really bad for you, yeah. and you're removing all the sodium from your body, which is incredibly dangerous as well. Um, but I was just like, because I've always been told two liters. Two liters. And like they, people were like, there's water in food, there's water in tea, there's water in caffeine, there's water in everything. So you don't need to be, but they're like drinking. But then there's this other girl who replied to the video and was like, she was drinking five litres of water a day. What? A day. And she was so sick and she didn't know what was wrong with her. It's all the water. She was poisoning herself basically yeah. by all the water. She, and her dietitian was like, no, that's fine. What? That's fine. Drink a lot. Just drink. But when you're in Slimming World, now they don't say drink four litres of water a day but it's there like it's it's intended just drink water because mm. you won't be hungry if you, yeah. if you get hungry just drink water yeah no, if you get hungry just eat, eat something just eat something um, but yeah I just read that and I was like I always thought for me it was always two litres two litres because I have um a 500 ml bottle so I drink four of those a day I have that thing that's like keep going you're keep nearly going. there you're nearly at and I'm go. like every time I see it I'm like stop be, stop making me feel bad about myself <laughs> but yeah that's all I drink because I was just wondering I drink four cups of tea today right there's water in tea um, I know it's a diuretic Shut up. There's more. The other day, the other day, I like the other day I was saying to Graham. Actually, I think I was saying, yeah, I was said to Graham the other day. I said I've drank no water about three days. Sometimes that happens to me. And sometimes that does happen. The to only me. reason I realise is because I went to the bathroom. And was your wee brown? It the smell of it. Yeah, it sent you. When you I was like, Jesus, I need to drink some but water. It's like that John Mulaney joke where he's like throughout college, I, I drank, drank no water. No water. Yeah, like no water. None. None. But I always think as well as that joke and. Um, Parks and Recreation where they ask you know uh, what's her name Donna yeah and she's like do I look like I drink water because they were like your mom was talking to her about drinking water and she's like do I look like I drink water and I'm like yeah that's how I feel yeah do I look like I drink water I did that thing I do drink a lot of water now but like back in college I didn't like my friend Lisa was so good. She was so good with like water and stuff. I had a friend like called Yvonne and she was she really was a good. Vegetarian and, and she'd she be like, really, like into the veggies I'd be like, water. Do you want a kind of coke? She'd be like, No, just no, have water. I just have water. Where's where's her joy? Mm. Like I like water. Don't get me wrong. No, don't get me wrong. She loved a fucking 3D <laughs> Dorito. What are those uh, you know those ones I like that make me sick in America that you put oh, the, I wear them on my what? fingers? 
The cones. Yeah. They're called cones, are they? they're called cones. People are screaming at us now. Screaming! I can't remember what they're called. Those things. I fucking love them. Yum, yum, yum. They make um, me so sick. They make Sarah very unwell. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's some Americans. Americans, I don't mean to generalise you. Tell us. Do you guys drink... Have you guys been told that you need to drink four litres of water a day or what the fuck's going on? Yeah, it's you a... Don't. That's a ridiculous FYI. amount. Um, I think I'd be sick if I drank that much water. Bugles! Bugles. Sarah loves a bugle. They make... They, they do this... This flavour and I love when I do you ever go to Beckett's crisp flavours and you're like, that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a certain Western style. Oh gosh. Which means barbecue, barbecue I think. Barbecue, clearly. Um, Just another form of barbecue. Um but yeah, that's all I wanted to say because I was confused as to the water thing, and then I thought maybe I wasn't drinking enough water. But then when I went to the HSC website, they were like two litres water a day is fine. I loved the way you went on the HSC website. I was like, maybe I'm not drinking enough water. Maybe that's why I'm so depressed all the time. And I was like, no, that's the depression. Oh, you know, that's just depression. (laughs) That's just the Um, depression. That's just your depression. (laughs) You know the thing that the doctor has like medically said you have? Oh, that's... Oh, so Emma um, (laughs) hurt her back uh, loading the dishwasher. Yeah. Mine would be something fun like going for a run. Nope, just twisting my body, but twisted this part of my body. Mine is a car hit me. You see, that's a good story. What a van. That's a better story than yeah. my story. Like, yes, actually, Lily, Lily, after, we won't get into the full details, but we had a day yesterday with Lily where oh, something happened. Day. And in the height of the uh, emergency, I obviously wasn't thinking about my body, so I jumped up. And when I tell you, I couldn't walk last night. Really? Yeah, and Lily was like, what's wrong with your mommy? Was it ever where you jumped up? Yeah, it was just Shit. from the car accident. And Lily was like, what's wrong with your mommy? And I was like, my hip is sore. And she was like, why is it sore? And I was like, because... I got hit by a van in August. <laughs> and she was like, is it ever going to be better? And no. I was like, no. The doctor Lily said it will never be better. Way. Lily is absolutely fine. Yeah, she's grand. It's just an event happening. Um, she's, she's doing okay. Go on anyway, your housekeeping. Uh, housekeeping. Yeah. This week on the Patreon, Colin is going to do the story of St. Patrick. Would you like me to sell this? And he's a bit of a scam artist, is St. Patrick. You don't fucking say. Bit of a Saint, scam artist. What's his name? Nave Pork? Yeah, they came in. He came in and he was like, I'll get rid of those snakes. And people were like, we don't have snakes. He's like, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you don't have them now. Um, motherfuckers. So Colin Stewart, St. Patrick. Uh, and then we have the normal drive. Nave Pork. Nave Pork. And then it's murder. Patreon.com for a slash murder most Irish. Six oh my god. Don't even, you don't want to join the card, don't join. Patreon.com mur- forward slash murder most Irish. Is that what it is? Oh, and we have a new segment. What's our new segment? Steve. With Steve? Yes. He's doing 10 second movie reviews and it's the funniest fucking thing. Really? Yes, it's so good. He was like, because he was messaging me the other day and he was like, if you're running out of things to do on the podcast, um, I can do something for you. And I was like, oh, would you do it for the Patreon? And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, I'm, I'll do 10 second movie reviews. So Let funny. me hear. I'll have my phone. I'll pay them for you. They're so funny. So my friend Steve, our friend Steve is doing. It's not my doing, friend. He's Sarah's friend. Stop. He's your friend. He's going to be. He's not my friend. <laughs> we're going to be, he's doing 10 second movie reviews and Steve is very funny. And so we're very glad to he have him. He is very funny. We're very glad to have him on board. Here, listen, we've got we're Steve. We're glad to have Steve uh, on We're board. super glad to have him uh, on board. So Colin's doing, uh, Steven's a big metal fan. So Colin's doing an intro, but like a metal intro. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited. Um, we already talked about, did we talk about them all day? No, we haven't spoken so about it. So we got, uh, the other day, uh, We Are Manaw on Instagram had a charity day and everybody turned up to get a Manaw tattoo. I think it was like from 80 euro to 160 and I think they raised something like 20,000? 15,000, sorry. They made 15,000 for their chosen th- charities. Uh, we actually met some really nice people No, I in will the queue. say, we like met. Some little sweethearts. Some wonderful people yeah, in the queue. Um, but we, uh, do you know why they were wonderful, Emma? Because we were true a lot we in the were, queue. We were, what did that girl say? Trauma bonded. Trauma bonded. We were trauma bonded, lads. We were in the queue 
queue for seven hours. Uh, I, I have no housekeeping because no, I haven't been I have. keeping up with anything. Um, that's all I got, friend. Um, I haven't seen anything. Has there been any more? Uh, anything else in the Ashley Murphy case? I haven't seen anything. No, but that will go okay. quiet until yeah, it's until, it goes quiet, until it goes. Court. I know. I think he's in court. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, but I just once again her family. See, there's an American journalist killed in Ukraine. Oh no! By the Russians. Oh man, uh, yeah, we just hope. Oh fuck, I don't even. I, at this point, I don't even know what to say about anything. Um, we hope you're all okay, and any Ukrainian people listen to this, I doubt it, but or any Ukrainian people that have come to Ireland, we hope you're safe. Oh, actually, do you want to do you want to know something amazing? This Go. is amazing and beautiful. Tell me, tell me. So positive things. Uh, the Red Cow and all the address hotels. Yeah. So the Red Cow currently have, I think, up to 750 Ukrainian, like, asylum seekers. Oh, wow. So uh, a friend of mine, Michaela, her partner works for a chain of hotels. And he got a phone call last Sunday from the Irish government being like, there's a thousand people in Dublin airport and we need to get somewhere, somewhere for them to stay. stay. Yeah. They're all seeking asylum, obviously. They've all come from Ukraine. And his hotel chain opened the doors for them. And we're like, no problem. That's amazing. And um, so the Red Cow, which is a big, it's a hotel owned by the Morins family. They have uh, people from Ukraine and they're taking donations in the hotel for them. Oh, fantastic. And then the other hotel, I'm not too sure I'll ask. But that individual, I just heard so many beautiful stories this week. So uh, Michaela, who I work with, her parents have taken in like four refugee women oh, and a child incredible. and gotten the kid a place in the school beside their house. That's amazing. Um, and she was telling, she was on the phone to me because I was like, what do you need? Like, do you need any help? She said, um, the little girl doesn't speak any English and just by pure coincidence, there's a Ukrainian girl in the, that's going to be in her <gasps> classroom that speaks English and, and Ukrainian. Ukrainian. So she's going to help her. Um, all four of the women have gotten jobs. This is amazing. Uh, because of Michaela's family. So oh they got God. they got them jobs. Now they were like, you don't like by all means everything's happened. You do not have to go and do these jobs straight away. No, of course like, not. Just get settled. Um they've got like fully set up these women. They've got like leap cards and revolute cards and like all of the family See, and community people in the world. have like donated money to the Revolu. So I sent Michaela money to Revolu. Um over fifteen million euro has been like uh, donated through Airbnbs to women and men directly on the ground in Ukraine. Um, the other hotel, the one that Michaela's partner works in, he was saying like that it's just, he spent like, Michaela was on the phone to me and he came home and he was like, I'm just like wheeling around like trolleys of food. He was like, it's taken these people nearly two weeks to get from the Ukraine to, to Ireland. Ireland through Poland. Because they're getting to Poland and then they can't, <sighs> they're just waiting to be able to get onto a plane. Um, the whole thing is absolutely horrific and everything that's happening is horrible and this happens unfairly to brown people more than it happens to white and people seem to care about white people it's frustrating and I get how frustrated it is but what I will say in this moment is take solace in how nice and how kind and how people loving are being incredibly are being, kind like people just want to um, help and support uh-huh. like it's they insane do. like I was in Marks and Spencer's yesterday and I did my shopping and at the till they're, at Annie, they're yeah. like do, do you want to donate to your crime and you can donate on your shop yeah I actually was like, like yeah of course we were in Little and they did the same as well so and then there was a little section so we, to put buy food and put yeah and my job are like matching donations up to 5 million That's to amazing. the equivalent of 5 million they're matching that amount it's just there are good things happening there are absolutely good things happening and I know that doesn't take away from like it's happening because of the brutality that's happening yeah Um, but it's just this is the first time where in my life where I've been so like 
Michaela rang me and I was like crying on the phone. No, that's horrific. I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. And she was like, she said that uh, her partner was just like, he was like, it's so shocking. He was like, they're, he was like, you would, if you saw them on the street, he was like, they just like, they look like they're here for like a, a holiday. Or a holiday. Something. And he was like, and they have nothing. Like nothing. He said they've left with nothing. That's what I mean. That's what I always say. Like, when you think about it, if we woke up in the morning and there were bombs dropping outside of our windows, mm. what the fuck would we do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing about it. Like, because I think Ireland, we, or not Ireland, because there's a lot of shit that's happened in this country. But as of now, especially in the Republic, we have a tendency to think, oh, that'll never happen to us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so it's very hard to kind of put yourself in a, the shoes of somebody that is happening to. But mm. people are being incredibly kind. Incredibly they kind and lovely. Kind. And yeah. it's hard to see that stuff. And then the other thing is like, it's like I know we said it on the podcast before, but take a break. Yeah. Log off. Log, Log off, off. Take a break. When we get on to the story. Yay! Story time. Story time. Attention feminists! Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain boring old tea's getting you down? Hey buddy, does your huddy scream fuddy duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug? Buy one of ours! Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingingest crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder Most Irish merchandise at teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com This week I'm doing the story of Sylvia Fleming. Ooh. Do you know this story? You'll have to tell me. There's a reason you don't know this story. Why? Is it about men? Something else happened the same year as this story in the same town. Okay. And this story just gets forgotten about. Okay, tell me. Let's so, go. Sylvia was born on the 11th of October in 1980 in Oma, County Tyrone, Northern Ireland. Okay. She was the youngest of three sisters and she had a difficult start in life. She'd spent some time with her two sisters in the foster care system as their dad couldn't take care of them. And he willingly gave them up. Josephine, Kathleen and Sylvia were placed into care willingly by their father. Josephine, the oldest sister, became the mother figure to the girls and they were all very connected to each other. Given their difficult time in foster care, all three of the girls suffered physical violence and mental abuse while they were in the system. They became each other's only support network and became really bonded to each other. Sylvia worked really hard in school and she was popular and she was like a really talented artist. When she finished school in 1997, she was 16 years old. She went on to do a tech to study hairdressing. A tech is kind of like the VCs, isn't it? It's a technical college, right? Yeah, it's where you go like learn... Hairdressing, massage therapy. Beauty. Yeah. uh, I think you can do painting and decorating. Those kind of skills. Those amazing skills that I'm... Whenever people can do them, I'm like, that's incredible. She then got a part-time job in a nursing home so she could support herself and attend school to become a fully qualified hairdresser. I do know this story is fucking horrific. Yeah. It is grim, you're right. Due to Sylvia's upbringing, she struggled to make healthy relationship choices. She was vulnerable and desperate for her family. Sylvia was excited to make her own money and really wanted to start making her own choices and support herself. And around this time, her sister Josie announced that she was pregnant. Sylvia was over the moon about becoming an aunt. 
Josephine got her own flat and she asked her two sisters to move in with her. They all felt this was the start of the beginning of everything for them and the start of them being together independently and beginning of something great. When Sylvia was 17, she attended a party in a flat. The flat belonged to a 27-year-old man called Stephen Scott and Sylvia fell for Stephen immediately. She began telling her sisters and friends about him. She was tw- 17 and he was 27. Yeah, okay. And I have a big capital letters. What a scumbag! Yeah, what are you doing with a 17-year-old when you're 27? What are you doing with a 17-year-old? Like, what do you have in common with a fucking 17-year-old? Yeah, when you're a 27-year-old man. Like, to me, when I see, like, a 19-year-old, I'm like, that's a child. Like, I'm, I'm like, that's a kid. A I've, kid. I have nothing to say to you. Like, I've no... I just how, is, how are your TikToks? No. That's it. I have nothing else. I'm like, what's a TikTok? <laughs> What? Uh, Stephen was a part-time bodybuilder. Didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) Part-time, mind. Part-time. Just part-time. I only bodybuild on Uh, side part-time. Wednesdays and Thursdays, that's it. And then for some reason, I've written a part-time time fighter. (laughs) What's that mean? He's a time fighter. (laughs) (laughs) Typo. Oh my God. He'd recently moved to Oma from Nuri and he was an arrogant and obsessed with his image. He surrounded himself with people much younger than him and by people, I mean children. Also, he was bet down. He also had a nickname of Bulldog because he was short and quite stocky yeah. because of, but he was actually an ugly pig with yeah. a massive unibrow. He was bet down. Um, he exerted his control over these kids so he like really did surround himself with teenagers. disgusting. Because he was an adult hanging around with children, he was obsessed with his appearance and the perception people had of him. He was an all-round egomaniac and he cared about his social ranking and wanted to be considered or perceived as a respectful man within his community. He was obsessed with serial killers. Oy, oy, oy. He spoke to many about fetishizing these men. He taught the way they controlled people was admirable and it was something he openly voiced as a positive thing he spoke quite positively about Charles Manson and Ted Bundy in particular and he had between 30 and 40 books on serial killers so I get that we're like really into like let's say this arena but like this man wasn't interested from our point of no, view no this man isn't like oh these guys are insane I need to, I'm wondering what's happened here or what's yeah. We're not going, God, they're amazing. How are they doing it? Yes. That's a vastly different thing. <laughs> Josie was worried about the relationship that his that her sister and Stephen had. And she said it felt like he needed attention. He always had to be the center of attention. She thought he was vain. Sylvia was head over heels and she loved the idea of this well-respected fireman. Oh, Josie also spoke about the lent, about, uh, at length about the age difference to Sylvia. But she was blind to it all. Not wanting to push her sister away, Josie supported her. Sylvia was wrapped up in this idea of a man that could offer stability and look after her she also had no experience with men or boyfriends and she had no idea what a healthy relationship looked like oh honey Stephen by all accounts was charming and manipulative and she became devoted and immediately idolised him they started fairly quickly having a very sexual relationship immediately and Stephen was immediately control controlling and he enjoyed Sado's sexual behaviours. Oh he also like she's seventeen, dude. Yeah, she's seventeen. <sighs> Fuck me. 
Stephen also, as said, surrounded himself with teenagers. His flat was always filled with teenagers. He would have parties with underage drinking and drug use. And in this circle, he was openly manipulative and abusive to Sylvia. He controlled her, but he also began to pick her apart publicly with these teenagers. He'd belittle her. He'd actively make her the butt of the joke. In February of 1998, Sylvia moved in with Stephen and he immediately moved into like coercive control 101. So he separated her from her friends and her family. He called her stupid and ugly. He began breaking down her confidence and her self-worth more and more and all behind closed doors or in front of teenage groups. So he was really particular about like where he did it. It was never done in front of like Josie or or adults, but it was always done in front of these groups where he had all the control. Sylvia became more and more isolated and her friends began to recognize that something was wrong. Sylvia began to talk to some of her friends and mentioned that sexually he was quite abusive and he liked tying her up. She also told a friend on one occasion he had put a pillow over her head when they were having sex. She said she didn't like it, but she just eventually gave in. She said he continued to do a number of things even when he asked, even when she asked him to stop. Bondage and violence was a common theme in their sex life, but by all accounts it was against her will and she continued to go along with him to make him happy. Three months into the relationship, Sylvia found out she was pregnant and she told Stephen she was pregnant. He was not happy about this at all and he told her he was not the father and she must have been cheating on him. Oh my God, I hate men. He dumped her and threw her out of his flat. So she moved out of his flat and Stephen had openly told a number of people before that he had no intention of ever staying with Sylvia, that he was just using her for sex and was planning on getting rid of her soon. And she was just a means to an end. I hate him so mm, much. This guy is the worst. Going back. He's the worst. <laughs> Sylvia was heartbroken. She moved into her friend's flat, but Sylvia continued to having a sexual relationship with Stephen. Oh my God. She was trying to get back with him and trying to get Stephen to take her back. This continued for a number of weeks. On April 3rd, 1988, Sylvia got her first paycheck from her newest job in a nursing home and she was delighted and wanted to celebrate her new job. After work, she went to her friend's house and they had a drink and celebrated a new start. At 11.15pm, Sylvia left her friends and said she was going to Stephen's flat. Sylvia was never seen again after this point and after two days, Josie and Kathleen became began to get conf- concerned. They used to speak every day, but at this point it'd been nearly two days. They called around and Sylvia's friend said she'd gone to Stephen's flat the last time she saw her. Josie and Kathleen then began calling Stephen. They called a number of times and got no answer. And then finally that night Stephen answered and said he had not seen Sylvia in a number of days. He said it had been close to five days since he'd seen her and the girls were not... Sorry. He said it had been close to five days since the girls had seen her. He said, "Can I just say, you know, whatever anybody says a new start, yeah. All I think about is um, Tobias in <laughs> Anus Tart. It's all I ever think about. Anus Tart, Anus Tart. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Bah, bah. He said it'd been close to five days since he'd seen her. The girls were not convinced, and they went to his flat to check. Yes, so they appeared at his flat. Can I?" When they got there, Stephen ushered them in and for some reason he brought them into his bedroom. Oh, God. He played the worried ex-boyfriend role and he said he would offer to, he said he would offer to help find her. Josie then, like, looked up at the ceiling and, and noticed there was, like, an attic hatch. 
She said that his mood changed and he then kind of immediately wanted them out of the flat as soon as possible. He became like agitated. As they left, they noticed duffel bags and black sacks packed and waiting at the front door. Josie said that she got the feeling that Stephen Stephen was hurting her sister and she actually thought that maybe she was locked in the attic of his flat and that he was keeping her there. Josie felt in that moment that he had hurt Sylvia, but she had no idea the true horror of the situation. On the same day, the 5th of April, the sisters went to the police and reported Sylvia missing. So she's like missing like two days now. Is that two days? Yeah, four years. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen knew on the day the sisters had arrived, he had little time to cover up what he'd done. So the next sentence I'm going to go into is just like a trigger warning. This is like graphic, it's violent, and it's disgusting. So April 3rd, Stephen was in his flat with two two teenagers, a boy and a girl, both age 14. Imagine hanging around with a 14 year old. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? They were all drinking and he told them that he planned on killing Sylvia. So he just outright said to these two kids, I'm going to kill murder, Sylvia. Yeah. The two children did not think he was serious. It's like they were like, who would have believed us if we had a went and said anything at yeah. that time? Sylvia had no idea that Stephen had been planning to kill her. She was hopeful that he would take her back and they would work together and start a family unit she'd always dreamt of. When she arrived, they all had a drink, but eventually he took her into the bedroom. There he gave her some sleeping tablets. He then tied her up. She was now drowsy with the mix of sleeping tablets and alcohol in her system. He bound her legs and arms to the bedpost and he wrapped a cord around her neck. I think the the cord is the thing that he used to bind her legs and feet or arms and feet as well. Mm -hmm. He blindfolded her with and he then duct taped the blindfold onto her eyes. He then duct taped her nose and her mouth. He then injected Sylvia with insulin and this lowered her blood sugar given insulin like this can induce a coma and can cause a person to die. Sylvia at this point would have been zombie-like and really easy to control and it is unclear what happened next. But for some unknown reason, he brought the teenagers into the room. Sylvia was bound to the ropes he had used to tie her hands and feet and it was also around her neck. Stephen enjoyed the power he had over these kids and Sylvia, but he also he also knew how much he thought he, he could get away with. Yeah. He went on to tell the children that they were now involved in the death of Sylvia and they needed to help him to get rid of the body because they were now implicated in her death and the children were apparently terrified. And I do refer to them as children of 14. 14. They then, all three of them, wrapped her in a blanket and put poor Sylvia in the loft. So you know the hatch that she saw? And then for some unknown reason, they all went swimming together. This part always confused me and I didn't understand what was going on. But then I was like, were they on drugs or something? Y'all were like, we're going swimming. It's a hot day. I don't understand either because it's it's not a hot day. We live in Ireland. We live in Ireland. It's April. It's not a fucking hot day. I said, yep, swimming. Literally got rid of a body in the loft and then they all went swimming. Like, And I mean, like, there was no, like, gap no, in between. They, they were, just like, were like, let's go swimming. Let's go swimming. Two 14-year-olds and that scumbag. They then returned to the flat and he got a hacksaw and a number of different knives. He put Sylvia's body into the bat in the flat and he cut her body into eight pieces. Oh 
It was methodical and it was well planned out. He knew what he was doing. The dismemberment was precise. It had been done with the care and attention. And there must have been a huge amount of blood present at the scene. He then took Sylvia's money that she had gotten paid and sent the girl out to get bin bags. And then he went out and got bin bags and cleaning products to clean up the mess in the bathroom. At this point, I'd just like to remind everyone where he brought Sylvia's sisters in to talk to them when he brought them into their flat. Called her into the room. The bedroom, for no reason. They sat on the bed where he murdered their sister. He then made them walk past their dead sister's body in the hall at the front door. Oh my god, this poor girl. This poor girl. So, Stephen got to work as soon as they left. So I'm now jumping back to when the sisters are going to report Sylvia missing. Yeah. The 14-year-old boy that was in the house the night Sylvia was murdered was called upon. Stephen and he guarded up all the bags and carried them around the town. Stephen selected a new housing state housing development to dispose of Sylvia. And he made the boy carry most of the heavy bags as he complained about having a bad bag. Because yeah, part-time uh, bodybuilder. Because he's a part-time bodybuilder. Body he made the 14-year-old carry per Sylvia's head and torso. Oh my god. And the great big bodybuilder had a bad back, so he just carried the rest. And he didn't even carry it all, because someone else comes and helps him later on in this story. I hate this man. Moore was a new development in the town, and he knew it was he knew he was out of time, so this needed to be done quickly, as the girls were now reporting Sylvia missing. The search was now underway for Sylvia. All of her friends in the local community pulled together to search for Sylvia. They looked in the laneways, and the entire community of Oma was looking for her... Stephen was now assisting in the search and was playing the role of faithful ex-boyfriend. Like they all do. At one point, whilst out with Sylvia's sister, they drove past or went past the new housing estate in Glenside on the circular road in Oma. And he turned to Josie and said, Don't go up there, you'll never know what you find. What the fuck? He's like toying with them. Like he's loving every yeah, minute of this. He's, he's a, a fucking scumbag! Yeah. He's getting a sincere kick out of this. Yes, like a sincere, like, enjoying every moment of it. He's getting his rocks off. Stephen was enjoying being in the middle of the search. He appeared to be getting further, a further thrill out of being the centre of something he had caused. He then told his friend, Paul John Rigby. Stephen had been bragging to him about what he had done to Sylvia and he then somehow managed to get Paul John Rigby to get rid of the rest of Sylvia's body with him. Like, I don't understand. How? Like? Like? How? Were people just like, yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah no problem. What's that dead body? Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Two weeks after the initial report of Sylvia being missing. Two weeks. The RUC, who are now disbanded and no longer the police force in the North, decided to do their fucking Amazing. job. It seems to be a roundabout story of everybody's life from these fucking stories. And appeared at Stephen's flat to search for Sylvia. This story is just disgusting. But at this point, Stephen had cleaned his house thoroughly and there was no evidence of Sylvia being in his flat. He gave an official statement to the police. There was no evidence of wrongdoing and they said to Josie and Kathleen that perhaps Sylvia had just run away after oh, all. Ah, the usual. But they continued to search for her nonetheless. Seven weeks later, Paul John Rigby was arrested on the 30th of May 1998. He'd been spotted waving an air rifle gun in a local park and apparently he'd done this in a bid to be arrested. He told him where Sylvia was, according to Stephen, and he brought the police to the building site. They searched the grounds and went into one of the houses that Rigby said Stephen had used, and when the police entered the house, the smell was putrid. It was very clear that something had happened, and it was very clear that something was dead inside of the house. 
They began lifting the floorboards of the half-built house and they noted that the damp core underneath the floor had been cut. When they pulled that back, they saw a limb sticking out of the dirt under the house. Oh my God. And they began a greater search of the grounds and found a further remains. Sylvia's family were informed that part of a body had been found. And Josie, Sylvia's sister, said at that point she was like, what on earth happened to my sister? Sylvia was identified by dental records. Eight pieces in total were recovered from the grounds and Stephen and the two teenagers were immediately arrested. The news broke and the entire community was shocked. The news of the murder sparked absolute riots in the town of Oma and the family appealed for calm following a night of rioting in Mullamore. So Mullamore is the name of the house in the state where they, the body was found. <sighs> On Tuesday, during which a policeman was set on fire after being struck. When I say like this went, like they burnt three houses down. Holy fuck. So they struck a policeman with a petrol bomb. He was not seriously injured. However, the trouble continued for several hours up until 2.30am. With stones, bricks, petrol bombs were thrown at police who were escorting the family to safety. And the family I mean is the family of the people who have been now arrested. So the, the two 14-year-olds, John Paul Rigby and Stephen's own family were all, like, their houses were, like, set on fire, set upon. Fuck, I didn't know this part. Yeah. So stones, bricks, a house was extensively damaged. Someone set fire to the oil fuel tank of the back of someone's house. Oh, holy um, shit. After being set alight by a petrol bomb. The families so that like sylvia's uncle joe fleming appealed for an end of trouble he said we totally condemn it we would ask for people who are involved to, stop. to desist because they're certainly not doing anything to help the fleming family so like the good friday agreement had just been signed tensions are high in the estate but also the houses that are being like targeted are the ones involved with stephen scott yeah. family and now the family that he was oh now he was firmly aware that he was like not a respected member of the community and anyone linked to him is targeted um and i know people are going to say right so there is this whole thing of like the good friday agreement is but anybody that's from the north especially at this time like that is how it's ran up there justice is not dumb like no no you just go you burn someone's gaff down like, like that but justice isn't like leveled out by the police no of course it's leveled not. out by like the local people and that run the especially not in the early 90s like no. at all it was literally like if you fuck up we're gonna end your life yeah. like in the first round of interviews Stephen denied any involvement however he found it difficult to stick to the story and by the third interview he told them he had given her a sleeping pill he had tied her up he said it was all part of a sexual act and he admitted to the insulin and also the duct tape but he then placed blame of the murder on the teenage boy this motherfucker he said that the kid is one the kid is the one that put the rope around Sylvia's neck and strangled her he did admit to dismembering the body but he said they all panicked and this is why no one called an ambulance or the police. The investigation led Stephen's flat led to Stephen's flat being fully searched once more, and there was blood and DNA found in the bathroom pipes where he'd dismembered her body. Jesus Christ! So I I was going to go into the details of all the stuff that he'd said, but honestly, it's just a whole lot of horseshit, and you're just adding more. Yeah, like and especially with people like that, they're so conceited and they're so narcissistic that you're literally like, shut up. Yeah. You're just a fucking killer. That's yeah. all you are. You're a scumbag. You're a fucking scumbag. Stephen Scott was charged with murder and the two 14-year-old children in Rigby were charged with conspiracy to convert the course of justice and unlawful burial of a body. 
On June 5th, 1998, Sylvia was laid to rest. More than a thousand mourners came to pay respects to Sylvia. Sylvia's schoolmates gave an honour guard at the entrance to the church and special arrangements were made to allow girls to sit GCSEs at different times from the school, describing Sylvia as caring and considerate. Father Canning told mourners they would never stop struggling to understand why her death had happened in the way that it did. Her death aroused mixed emotions among many of us, he said, referring to the violence it sparked. Many of us cannot help feeling angry because of her death. It is an anger which is hard to cope with. But in spite of it all, it is important that we don't act too much on it, causing more evil in itself, which does not do any good in the end. On leaving the church, Sylvia's best friend, Siobhan McMullen, probably the last person to see her before she was murdered, linked arms with her two grieving sisters. Fuck's sake. Sylvia's father, Patrick, helped carry her coffin to the last few yards of the grave and he and Sylvia's mother, Kathleen, were were comforted by friends as Sylvia's father lowered her coffin into the ground. Dude, she was 17. When I was... She was born, like, five years ahead of me, but, um... Like, I know that time. Do you know what I mean? I know yeah, what it's like literally. to be that age in that remember, time. Yeah, I remember being 17 around that. You yeah, know, and I, I do. I know that feeling of like being wrapped in, yeah. up in someone that's not good for you. But like, when you think about it, she was only 17 and she was being sexually, abused. physically and emotionally abused and then murdered by this fucking bastard. Like planned, like murdered, like not, like, and he... He, knew, he, he was acting, he was like... He I got off on it. For, some, something for nothing if he had not been caught, there would have been another again. girl. yeah. There absolutely would have been This guy's a potential serial killer. This story only gets worse. The trial was set for March 2000 and it was held in the Ballymena courthouse. Sylvia's family were seated directly behind Stephen. He pleaded not guilty. (laughs) Fuck you. He he stuck to his story blaming the killing on the schoolboy. He did not give evidence. He said it was a sex game gone wrong. The pathologist in the case disagreed. He told the court that the death was due to asphyxiation, possibly due to the duct tape or being smothered, that there was no signs of strangulation per se, but given the condition of the body, it was impossible to rule out strangulation through ligature. So he was saying that the guy like wrapped it around her neck and pulled on it, but the pathologist was like, I don't see, but he was like, it would be difficult for me to see, but I don't believe that's how she died. Yeah. Well, like the duct tape over her mouth and nose would probably would have yes. fucking done it, yeah. All of Stephen's conflicting statements were read out in great detail. All the ones before her body was found and he was arrested, denying he had ever seen her. Then all the conflicting statements he gave in police custody were read out. He gave six different statements of Sylvia's death, ranging from her leaving for an hour, ranging from him leaving her for an hour or so tied up, alive as a joke, to the 14-year-olds pulling the cord and choking her accidentally as a joke, to he also said that the two ta- two teenagers are the ones that made the decision to cut up Sylvia, not him. Oh and in a statement, he said that he had no memory of saying he was going to kill Sil- Sylvia that night. But if he did, it was just a joke. Stephen's entire argument was all around a sex act gone wrong. The Crown also say that Stephen made no attempt to save or revive or help Sylvia. He's a fully qualified firefighter. He knows how to do all of all of these things. The judge also made a point of saying Sylvia had been callously disposed of. But the judge was like, so the judge then went before the jury went off to give their like to deliberate. He gave this like statement where he was like, even if you don't think this was murder, 
Even if you think like he didn't plan to murder her and you think this is act, he left her in, in, in one statement. He says in the middle of a sex act, he got up and went to the toilet and then didn't come back for an hour. In another statement, he said he came back in with the 14 year old girl and they were kind of laughing and joking and she was then still left alone. So he was like in all of the scenarios that he's played out where he's, it's not his fault in inverted commas. He is the one that caused her death. Yeah. Um, she did. Yeah. The Crown also, yes. So the Crown also said that Stephen made no attempt to save, revive, help Sylvia. There was no call made. Like, there was just nothing where it was like, I'm concerned about what, ha- what has happened yeah. to her. The judge also made a point of saying Sylvia had been callously disposed of. On the 13th of March, 2000, 2000 Stephen Scott was found guilty of murder and dismembering her bo- Sylvia's body. Two others in the case, the 14-year-old boy and John Rigby, had pleaded guilty. The 14-year-old boy was found guilty of dismembering and concealing a body, and John Rigby was convicted of concealing her body. The 14-year-old girl present at the time of Sylvia's death was cleared of all charges, and on the April on April 5th, Stephen Scott was sentenced to life with a minimum of 19 years to be saved. To be served. Okay. 2.5 years were handed down to the males above. Stephen was emotionless and during the verdict and the sentence. He sought an appeal in August 2000, so like immediately pretty much after. Uh, and the judges noted that Scott had lied constantly. He was unable to explain his actions in that night in any reliable manner and there would not be a consideration of appeal. Good. July 2017. Oh my God, that's so... That's so... It's only four years, five years away. There go. Stephen Scott was seen out and about in Warren Point. In his mother's house. Fuck off. He was granted an application for early release on an early release program for good behaviour. He would soon be eligible for full release. And the newspapers in the community caught wind and he was quickly moved for his own safety. He was then moved by the parole board to Belfast where he was once again, he's been photographed a couple of times, photographed by the media in the local community in a specific KFC so it's like KFC wherever he's living. And when he was first reported when it when he was first reported to be in early release, Sylvia's family gave statements to the pro board asking that he be banned from OMA. There was so much outrage in the North that a public meeting was called due to the pre release. And victim support assured the family that Stephen had written to them and confirmed he would not go to OMA. Excuse me? And he apologised for what he had done. He was fully released from the programme in 2018. Paul John Rigby was released eight and a half months after his original conviction. And the 14-year-old boy served less than four days in prison after after he was convicted. So. And all of them are out walking around. Now, like this guy, um... Stephen Scott lives in Belfast. He lives as he's been seen in Belfast. There's photographs of him. He doesn't go to Warren Point anymore because the community up there pretty much like will kill him. There. He's not allowed Noma because he said he wouldn't go there. But Sylvia was raped by all accounts, violently, like sexually demeaned for months, and then he murdered her and cut her body up. With two children. With two 14-year-olds. And he served, what's that, less than... He served 17 years in prison and is now wandering around Belfast. 
and they're thinking this motherfucker's not going to do anything else and they think that he's not going to like this this story is not a blue ball story but it's like there is no there's I'm n- so sick I'm so sick of everything I'm just so sick of the fact like that story that I did last week or the week before where the guy murdered his wife and was like it's Ireland I'll be out in yeah. six years I'll be. And, and he, he was, was right he was right yeah and that's what's so frustrating she was 17 mm-hmm. years old yep she was a child for all intents and purposes. I just, I remember this. I read this story before and I just remember hating him. You know, he's a so terrible much. I was like, I hate you. And I, the fact that you were obsessed with teenagers, you're such a fucking creep and a predator and a murdering sack of shit. And you know, when you, when you read these stories and I've gotten to the point ever since we started doing this podcast that I am so terrified of someone I love going missing. Like yeah. I am so terrified of it like I'm sorry even when Colin goes out I'm like please be careful like and I, I know that it, I can't think like that but I'm so terrified like when you go home in the evenings that's why I'm like texting me to get because I am immediately like the idea of someone I love going missing and knowing not to be bad how shit the guards are yeah like not to be a cunt but like generally they're shit unless it's a massive case that's gotten a ton of news coverage and they need to find someone Um, there's, just, there's nothing like no that poor this case is absolutely miserable oh and her sisters I remember reading interviews with her sisters and I was just like how the way she died and the fact that she her body was in black bags when they were walking out of that gas yeah anyway fuck that guy I hope you choke in your KFC you cunt piece of <laughs> shit he is pretty terrible I don't have there's nothing I can say after that story no, like when I was terrific. writing it when I was reading great job though Sarah I was really really good job reading about his, her funeral and I think it's important I think the thing oh. that happens on an awful lot is when we talk about these cases it's like when you don't speak about like the grieving process that the family have to go oh through it's almost like just a story yeah the, but, heart, like, the heartbreak these people have to all of these with. people like she like, she was a big part of so many people's lives she had like this great that's bright future that's her 17 year old sister yeah that's their baby sister. sister. So not only were they watching her dating this abusive sack of shit for how many years and just being like, I or months, and I mean, like, we don't know how to how to help her or what to do. She's then murdered. Mm-hmm. But as I said, even that story I did two weeks ago, where those two boys died after their mother, like her two oldest sons died. the The grief is beyond. Like when you lose somebody that you love, it's horrific and it's awful and it's heartbreaking. When you lose someone you loved, violence. Mm. I can't, I can't begin to understand, like. Uh, great job. Thanks. Great job. Incredibly sad. Very, very dim. Horrible, disgusting, awful person. And I honestly hope he chokes in KFC and dies. That's what I said and I meant it. Is it? Is it? It's what I said and I meant it. Have you got any plans for this week? Are you going away this week? Uh, no. I'm going away on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? Uh Mm-hmm. you know I do this thing where I'm like oh yeah I look forward to it and then as closer it gets I'm like why did I agree to this why did I agree to do anything I should have just stayed in my house but let me grant are you doing anything no I've got to work because Tiernan's off and oh, it's going to be a mess really yeah but um, it'll be grand is he off all week yeah you'll get through it he's a middle aged man he's gone to Cheltenham what's Ch- oh really honest to god <laughs> Honest to God, he makes me laugh. Every time I speak to him, I'm like, him. you should drive a taxi. <laughs> That's what you should do for him. He should, yeah. Honestly, he's like a 55-year-old white man. Do people still go to Cheltenham? Mm, yeah. Oh, I suppose it hasn't been on because of that's COVID. Where, yeah, but that's where, remember, the big outbreak of COVID in Ireland oh, came from. Oh, yeah, yeah, Everybody's yeah, yeah. off having the time of their life. 
Fuck everything. Um, so yeah. anyway, everybody, be uh, safe. Have a nice week. Happy Christmas. Um, if you like the podcast, could you go write and review it and could you subscribe to it? Oh my God, where's this coming from? <laughs> What are you asking me for? What? Uh, I don't know. It just seems like that's so- what everybody says. They're like, uh, subscribe, review, review, subscribe. We'll be seeing if you any bad reviews. Hit that and read subscribe them button. Yeah, go on. And also uh, follow us all on our social media. What's our website called? Our website? Yeah. Murdermost.irish. There you go. Go there and you can see everything. It's not going to have reviews though. No, I know, but I'm just saying you should. Oh yeah, go to murder most on Irish for so bad. Like you're just the worst. <laughs> I don't think we even say the name of the podcast ninety four percent of the time. Okay, we've got an overall four point five star rating. Not good enough. That was me in school. Now I'd have. Oh look, someone gave us a five star and said, "Please put timestamps. Please put timestamps for star of episode subjects." No. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Then yeah, no, I've read the L. Colin will do that. He will do yeah. that. Colin will do that. He absolutely will. Uh, we do talk a lot of shite. Sorry. Kate to the D only recently discovered this gem and binged all episodes of Colin's tunes. Oh, also. these are not negative. No, I'm looking for negatives. Oh, okay. Oh, we can't find them. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Work. We can't find any negative reviews. Let's see. Oh, wait, this one. Three Go. stars. Love the telling of the murders once you get to them, but unfortunately, I have to skip twenty minutes. Uh, too much chat to top of the episode. These are old ones. here now, you, whoever you are. What year is it? Three stars, 2022, baby. Yeah, no, that's over a year ago now. I Thank you, you so for so much cheering me up in these dreary days. Go on, say to uh, everyone. That person who left us three stars, you better came back six months later and left us five stars. Yeah, CFJ is still there and it's my best. It's our, my favorite At Three stars. Came across this very recently. Had a lot of potential. Oh! Too much talking about own life. Oh! For more than half an episode! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's what we deserve. This abuse is what we deserve. Having the crack. This one person, Kira12.nl, which I think means the Netherlands. Do we love Kira12? Well, a god lover. She gave us two stars, but she said... Kira! No, but hang on. <laughs> I think she made a mistake. Kira, go back and fix it. She gave us two stars and she says, Girls, I love True Crime Podcast. I've listened to basically all of them. I'm a Carlo girl, girl living in Harley, Aww. Netherlands. And you guys made me feel like I was having the crack with my friends. Great um, entertainment. Thanks. Two stars. Two stars, Kira. Yeah. Two stars, Kara. Yeah, Kara, get Kara, back on there. you better get back on there. You're still listening. Fix that immediately. Like listening to mates, obsessed, brilliant feminist true crime podcast. I love, love that you're it. just sitting here stroking your own ego right now. Oh, well, listen, someone has I to stroke it. I need negativity right I'm now. I'm looking, there's none. Sorry, guys, there's none. That's what there isn't none. I'm sure. <laughs> If I look at the stars, right, there definitely is some people that have given us one and two and he three. They said, uh, lift more weights, they said. But there are no they're more just the ratings. Yeah, they said uh, there are no more weights. There are no more weights. Um, thank you to everybody that's listened. <laughs> thank you very much. Sorry to everybody that has listened to the twenty minutes of shy. Colin's absolutely going to give me timestamps now. Yeah, no, I knew when I said it. It was like he'll absolutely do. But actually, if he's cool, go on and like and review. That would be great. <laughs> Thanks very much. Peace out. I'm Where is this coming from? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Sarah wants to I'm, make listening, a reveal. I'm listening to podcasts, and that's what they do. <laughs> they do, that. and then there's follow us on our social media, and our social media, and buy our merchandise. Oh, also, sorry, lads. Uh, Ashling, my friend Ashling, messaged me the other day just to tell me that she was trying to buy the QP merchandise, but it's not on the website. The what merchandise? The QP. You know our yeah stuff Keelan designed for yeah. us. Apparently, it's not on Teespring, and it's been. Uh, archived and I'm trying to relaunch it but Teespring is the worst website I thought we were changing to Redbubble we are. it is so bad so I'm trying to relaunch the QP merchandise and uh, I'll hopefully get it relaunched this week I sat for an hour is that why no one's bought any merch for a while? 
Well, yeah, probably. Or is it because we're shy? We're shy. Right. Uh, I tried to relaunch it. I like what you tried to save for about an hour like, on Friday and it wouldn't relaunch and I don't understand. So I emailed them to ask them could they let me know what the crack is with it. So, um, also Teespring, we've been waiting for payments for about a month and a half and they still haven't paid us. Oh. So, um, and have we messaged them? I've messaged them twice. Yeah. Actually, I do this thing, by the way, I'm doing the thing that I do in work when other people do it for me and I say, we. Yeah, that's what Sarah uses the rowie. Yeah. Have we done have this? Have we? Have I done and it? And everybody in work uh, is just like, oh, for fuck's sake, we haven't. <laughs> I will message them. I messaged them again, but I've messaged them like three times and they and they keep getting this thing coming back being like, hey, Emma, Megan will answer your query. And then Megan just never replies to me. So Megan, fuck you. Um, but yeah, we'll try and sort that out. That's it. That's all I have. Kill Megan. Don't kill Megan. Here, uh, Emma got her nails done. I did. I have shiny pointy nails. Beep, 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 beep. And I've never been prouder. You're like Dolly. It's to help with my BDD. My my therapist said, get your nails done. Your big dick. My big dick decision. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this episode's called. Hold on. Big dick decisions. We gotta big write that dick. Big dick decisions. But I gotta put an asterisk in dick because they'll make me take it down if I do Dickity that. dick dick. Why um, dick can be a name. No, so they'll be like, take down dick. Uh, so yeah, I'm very proud of myself and I sent her a picture and she said, oh yeah, they're lovely. Did she? She said she's so nice. Uh, what a stupid bitch. What? <laughs> She doesn't listen to this. It's okay. She doesn't even know about it. Does she know? Well, she does, but I don't tell her the name or anything. Oh, you're like, it's on your business? Like, it's on your business. Stay out of my business. Uh, big dick decision. Okay, sorry. I'm just saving that because that's the name and I'm going to pin it. And it's the name of our episode. Anyway, lads, thanks a million. Sorry, we're still rambling on. That review we got was correct and right. We talk shite. Uh, say goodbye, sir. Goodbye. Bye, sir. You don't be writing the songs anymore I don't know Sarah Jane I just can't think of anything Here's a bit of inspiration for you Oh you dirty bitch Move yourself Cause she's about to break Had a curry about an hour ago Prove yourself Don't be afraid of it Must smell bad but it won't kill you Free yourself Sarah's farts Calling lunch from Sarah's farts